0: sit back what nfc east quarterback relax in the movie oceans 11 put on your think cap what prized possession did danny ocean get ready for the show in chemistry what is the name of the principal and here's your host during what year was the marvel cinematic universe kevin How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Think Cap Trivia Podcast. My name's Kevin, and it's my pleasure to be your host. For those of you tuning in for the first time, let me go over how this podcast is structured. At the beginning of the show, I will pose about 10 trivia questions to you and then give you a few moments to think about your answers. Then I will go through each question one by one and give you the answer and the history or data or some fun facts behind the answer. So this isn't your standard trivia outfit that just gives you a question and an answer. I'm going to give you a brief breakdown that will hopefully satisfy all your curious minds out there while also entertaining you with my banter and again please don't be frustrated if you don't get as many correct as you would like i do tend to choose questions that hedge towards being more difficult because generally they're just more interesting to research and break down and talk about for you guys Uh, my goal is that even if you're not the biggest trivia buff in the world think cap will become your go-to podcast to supplement your knowledge on your commutes or wherever you choose to listen to your favorite podcasts. The show is all general trivia topics, so you never know what you're going to get each week. And if you're a fan of my show, I would ask that you would please recommend the podcast to a friend or to a fellow trivia lover. Getting the word out there about ThinkCap really helps my ability to grow and produce more content for you guys. And everything that I do put out there, you can find on ThinkCap's Instagram, which is at T-H-I-N-K-K-A-P, and the same name is on facebook just think cap i post fun facts and historical events and things like that to get you thinking throughout the week and with that being said let me once again welcome you to think cap and let's get this show started all right so once again i've got a couple different questions for you today and what i'm going to do is read each question for you and give you a couple moments to think of your answers and then i'm going to go through and break down each question one by one to give you a little insight behind the answers. So sit back and relax, and let me read these questions for you. Question number one. What company produced the first official baseball for the major leagues in 1876? Once again, what company produced the first official baseball for the major leagues in 1876? Question number two. In what year was the first NFL regular season game played in London? Once again, in what year was the first NFL regular season game played in London? Question number three. In what organ of the body is insulin produced? Once again, in what organ is insulin produced? Question number four, George Fox founded what historically Christian group in the year 1650? Once again, George Fox founded what historically Christian group in the year 1650? Question number five, the word retro has its roots in Latin, meaning what? Once again, the word retro has its roots in Latin, meaning what? Question number six. With an area of over 152,000 square miles, what is the world's largest lake? Once again, with an area of over 152,000 square miles, what is the world's largest lake? Question number seven. World famous video game franchise Halo was developed by what software company? Once again, world famous video game franchise Halo was developed by what software company? Question number eight. Kevin Bacon's first performance in a big film came with his role in what raunchy comedy? Once again, Kevin Bacon's first performance in a big film came with his role in what raunchy comedy? Question number nine, what cartoon crossover movie featured the R. Kelly song, I Believe I Can Fly? Once again, what cartoon crossover movie featured the R. Kelly song, I Believe I Can Fly? And question number 10. This is going to be our last question for this week's show. Name the only major Greek god whose Roman counterpart has the exact same name. Once again, name the only major Greek god whose Roman counterpart has the exact same name. All right, so now that I've given you a couple moments to think over your answers, we've got 10 questions this week. I'm going to go back, read each question one by one, and give you a little bit of information behind the answers. So question number one was, what company produced the official first baseball for the major leagues in 1876? And your correct answer is Spalding. Spaulding's the right answer. Albert Goodwill Spaulding, co-founder of AG Spaulding Sporting Goods Company, played professional baseball as a pitcher for the Boston Red Stockings from 1871 to 1875 and the Chicago White Stockings from 1876 to 1878. He was a renowned pitcher, leading the league in wins every year during his career. And interestingly enough, he pitched every game with a baseball that he had developed himself. At the time, there were general guidelines for what a baseball should be made with, how it should feel, and what it should look like, but nationwide, the ball was far from standardized. After his career, the first A.G. Spalding and Brothers Sporting Goods store would open up in Chicago in 1876. That same year, Spalding developed the first baseball to become the official baseball of the National League, and a year later in 1877, Spalding would develop the first baseball glove. To that point, most players played barehanded because there was this mentality that only sissies wear baseball gloves, but when Spalding released their official glove, because of the company's strong reputation within the sport already, gloves would become commonplace on the diamond. And a year after that, in 1878, Spalding would publish the first official rules guide of baseball, Similar to the baseball specifications, because of the rapid growth of the sport over a large area, differences in regional rules were also commonplace, so that's, that's why that was kind of an important thing. And the American League would later adopt the Spalding Baseball in 1889. Nowadays, though, Rawlings Sporting Goods produces all of the Major League Baseballs, However, Rawlings Sporting Goods only began manufacturing baseballs in 1955 when Spalding bought out their company. Even though American League and National League balls were both made by the same company, American League balls were stamped with the Rawlings logo and National League balls were stamped with the Spalding logo. But because of an antitrust investigation in 1968, Spaulding was forced to sell the Rawlings portion of its company, but entered into into a contractual agreement with Rawlings to have them continue manufacturing National League Baseballs with the Spaulding logo still on them. In 1977, Spaulding's exclusive National League naming agreement expired, and Rawlings began using their own trademark logo on both American League and National League Baseballs. Although identical, each league's ball had their own league logo with their respective president's name stamped on them. The American League balls were in blue ink and the National League in black ink. And even though Rawlings has been making Major League Baseballs for both leagues since 1955, it wasn't until 1977 that Rawlings was officially recognized as the official and exclusive manufacturer for both leagues. Then later in 2000, Major League Baseball did away with individual league presidents, thus giving full governing authority of both leagues over to the commissioner of baseball. At the same time, the MLB did away with league-specific baseballs, even though they were still the exact same baseball and just had different markings on them, but they went to a single logo for both leagues. Again, that is in the year 2000, and that continues to be the practice to this day. All right, question number two. In what year was the first NFL regular season game played in London? And the correct answer is 2007. 2007 is the right answer. The NFL's first established international presence was the NFL Europe League, which was founded in 1991 before folding in 2007. The league had 6 teams from the 95 to 2007 seasons and acted as a spring developmental league for younger players while simultaneously giving the league and the sport exposure to an international audience. Due to steady revenue losses though as the the NFL was covering the living costs of all the coaches and players who were living in Europe, the league was forced to shut down in 2007. However, Two years prior, the NFL had success playing its first regular season game outside of the United States when the Arizona Cardinals defeated the San Francisco 49ers 31-14 at Estadio Azteca in Mexico City. The game set an attendance record at the time with 103,467 spectators, signaling to the NFL that there is plenty of interest outside of the states in American football, and that the opportunity to expand would definitely be met with excitement from international viewers. Commissioner Roger Goodell was well aware of the the great interest overseas and quickly secured a deal with Wembley Stadium to host at least one regular season game every year from 2007 to 2015. The Miami Dolphins hosted the New York Giants at Wembley Stadium in London on October 28th of 2007, the Giants defeated the Dolphins 13-10 to in the first regular season game held in Europe. The first 40,000 tickets to this event sold out for the game in just 90 minutes. Just 90 minutes, all the tickets, uh, not all the tickets, the first 40,000 sold out, which is bonkers That's crazy fast. It, again, just shows you the amount of interest that uh, the game has internationally. And since then, the NFL has expanded its presence in the international market with at least three games being played in London from 2014 to 2019 and a single game scheduled to be played in Mexico City every year from 2016 to 2019. The Jacksonville Jaguars have played the most international games in London, having played seven total, one every year, from 2013 to 2019. The Jags' constant involvement in the games has even sprung up rumors of their franchise eventually being relocated to London. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how the NFL continues to grow its brand in other countries in the coming years. Obviously, this season there's not going to be any international games because of the coronavirus, But if you ask me, dropping a team down in Mexico City makes the most sense since the team wouldn't have to jump across any crazy time zones for their games. But I mean, what do I know as far as the international market goes? But I could see Mexico City being a very logical uh, expansion um, in another country for the National Football League. And question number three was, in what organ of the body is insulin produced? And your correct answer is the pancreas. Pancreas is the right answer. The the pancreas is located in the abdomen behind the stomach and it plays an essential role in converting the food we eat into fuel for our body's cells. The organ has two main functions, an exocrine function that helps in digestion and an endocrine function that regulates blood sugar, which is where the insulin comes in. But first, I'll quickly go over the exocrine function. The pancreas contains exocrine glands that produce enzymes which, as I said, are important to digestion. These enzymes include trypsin and chemotrypsin to digest proteins, amylase for the digestion of carbohydrates, and lipase to break down the fats. When food enters the stomach, the pancreatic juices are released into a system of ducts that culminate in the main pancreatic duct. The pancreatic duct joins the common bile duct, Um, which is located at the first portion of the small intestine called the duodenum. The common bile duct originates in the liver and the gallbladder and produces another important digestive juice, of course, called bile. The pancreatic juices and bile that are released into the duodenum help the body to digest those fats, carbohydrates, and proteins, as I said before. And then, of course, we have the endocrine function where The pancreas consists of the islet cells that create and release important hormones directly into the bloodstream. Two of the main pancreatic hormones are insulin, which acts to lower blood sugar, and glucagon, which acts to raise blood sugar. And maintaining proper blood sugar levels is crucial to the functioning of key organs, including the brain, liver, and kidneys. And for that functionality, we have to thank our pancreas. Question number four was George Fox founded what historically Christian group in the year 1650? And your correct answer to this one is the Quakers, the Quakers or the society of friends, formally their chief belief that sets them apart from other religious sects is that they believe that there is a piece of God within everyone. And that each human being is of particularly unique value. Quakers explicitly value all people as equal and oppose anything that may harm or threaten them. Their religious beliefs lead to a very introspective experience as they place great reliance on their own conscience as a basis of morality. And as for the religion's founder, George Fox was a young man from England who was dissatisfied with the Church of England. I spoke a little bit about how the dissatisfaction with the Church of England led to the Angelicans in episode 6, and a similar break-off is what led to the Quakers being established. Um, Fox had a, a revelation that it was possible to have direct and profound relationship with Christ even without the aid of a traditional ordained clergy. In 1652, he had a vision on Pendle Hill in Lancashire, England, in which he believed that the Lord let me see in what places he had a great people to be gathered, is what Mr. Fox said. And again, he saw the individual piece of God within every person, and so because of his vision, decided to travel the world and preach. Eventually, his following would uh, become its own religion, even being charged with religious blasphemy in 1650 by the English magistrates. In his autobiography, Fox says that during those proceedings was the first time that his group was referred to as Quakers because, quote, I bade them tremble, or quake, at the word of the Lord. Quakerism would gain a considerable following in England and Wales, much to the dissent of England's government and church. The Quaker Act of 1662 and the Conventicle Act of 1664 both legally persecuted Quakers in different ways for over 20 years until the Act of Toleration was passed in 1689. Nowadays though, the religion isn't as popular, but there still are over 200,000 practicing Quakers in the world who continue to follow George Fox's practices. Question number five was the word retro has its roots in Latin, meaning what? And your correct answer is back or backwards. Back, backwards is the correct answer. The probable original term was a derivative of retrose. In modern times, it has come to describe a style or design that is imitative of those of the recent past. Recency is subjective though, as the word retro would describe things 50 years ago, I'd say. You could easily call something from the 70s retro, but at this point, styles from the mid-2000s could also be seen as retro, which was just 15 years ago, but no one would describe things from the middle ages as being retro, so it's kind of a subjective word, um, which makes you really think, that maybe it's used mostly to describe things that one can only really remember in their uh, own personal lifetime but yeah uh, this is a quick one but retrose, meaning back or backwards in latin is the root of the word we now have retro and question number six is after that this is also going to be a quick one the question was, with an area of over 152,000 square miles, what is the world's largest lake? And your correct answer is the Caspian Sea. The Caspian Sea is a, it's an endorheic basin, which means it's a basin without overflows. A lake, essentially, is what that means. A basin without overflows mean there's no rivers kind of jutting out of it. And it's located between Europe and Asia. But even though it's so massive, and even though it is an Andoric basin, many categorize it as technically being a lake without a doubt the largest in the world. And this is one, again, like I said, it's 152,000 square miles. This thing's enormous. But I have asked this one at trivia nights before, and I've had people give me that No, it's a sea, it's not a lake. But technically, no, it is just one ginormous lake. And that brings us to question number seven. The question was, world-famous video game franchise Halo was developed by what software company? And your correct answer, Halo was developed by Bungie. Bungie is the right answer. So Bungie is an American video game development company that is based in... Bellevue, Washington. The company was established in May 1991 by Alex Seropian in Chicago. During its early years, Bungie produced two successful video game titles, Marathon and Myth. In 2000, Microsoft acquired the budgeting video game developer and repurposed its new first-person shooter called Halo Combat Evolved. It repurposed it to be the launch title for the company's brand new xbox console halo would go on to become both culturally and financially one of the greatest video game franchises of all time on october 5th of 2007 though bungie announced that it would split from microsoft and become a privately held independent company bungie llc however as part of the agreement, Microsoft retained ownership of the Halo franchise and its intellectual property. Bungie signed a 10 year deal, a publishing deal, with Activision in April of 2010, and their first big project was the 2014 first person shooter called Destiny, which was successful in its own right. In January 2019, Bungie announced that it was ending its partnership with Activision as well and would take over the publishing for Destiny. In total, Bungie has released 16 games since its inception in 1991, and I believe its next game is going to be entitled Matter, but there's not a whole lot of detail about the release for that game yet, so if you wanna play some Bungie, I would fall back on Halo because they are just some top-notch video games. And question number eight. Was Kevin Bacon's first performance in a big film came with his role in what raunchy comedy? And your correct answer is National Lampoon's Animal House. Animal House was a 1978 film about a fraternity at the fictional Faber College whose members continuously challenged the authority of the the school's dean. Kevin Bacon just plays a small role as a college student in the film, but the movie itself was inspired by stories written by Chris Miller that were published in The National Lampoon. Miller's experience at Alpha Delta Phi at Dartmouth College in New Hampshire, along with co-writer Harold Rami's experience at the Zeta Beta Tau fraternity at Washington University in St. Louis, and producer... Ivan Reitman's experience at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. The movie received mixed reviews from critics, but nonetheless was extremely successful in the box office. For a movie with a budget of only $3 million, it would go on to gross more than $141 million. And it definitely kind of has one of those cult classic feels to it now, but to get back to Kevin Bacon... Uh, Mr. Bacon would play roles in a couple films, including Friday the 13th, before his true breakthrough performance as Ren McCormick in Footloose. In a January 1994 interview with Premier Magazine, Kevin Bacon mentioned that, quote, he had worked with everybody in Hollywood or someone who has worked with them. Following this quote, a lengthy newsgroup thread, which was headed, Kevin Bacon is the center of the universe, appeared, and people began to play a game called The Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. (laughs) And they played this game to see how quickly any Hollywood actor could be linked to Kevin Bacon via actors or directors that they had mutually worked with. This, of course, is based on the theory of Six Degrees of Separation, which states that all people on Earth are six or fewer social connections away from each other. So if you're a movie buff next time you're watching a movie, pick an actor and see how far away they are from working with someone who has worked with Kevin Bacon it's a pretty fun and silly game to play and you'll be surprised at how many people have pretty quick connections to Kevin Bacon that brings us to question number nine which was what cartoon crossover movie featured the R Kelly song I believe I can fly and your correct answer to that one is Space Jam. Space Jam's the right answer. Most people don't know this, but the song was actually written and recorded exclusively for Space Jam soundtrack. Space Jam was a hugely successful 1996 film that featured Michael Jordan acting alongside the superposed Looney Tunes cartoon characters in a uh, epic basketball game. We can say. And after the movie blew up in popularity, R. Kelly's featured song would take off as well, reaching number two on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. In fact, the song would be the most successful of R. Kelly's career, reaching number one on the Billboard R&B charts, where it rained for six consecutive weeks. In 1998, the song would be included on the artist's album, which was entitled R, And that same year, it won the Grammy for Best Male R&B Vocal Performance, Best R&B Song, and Best Song Written for Visual Media. And while there won't be any R. Kelly songs in the newest installment of Space Jam, Space Jam A New Legacy is scheduled to be theatrically released in the United States on July 16th, 2021, by Warner Brothers Pictures featuring LeBron James as the key basketball player in the film. And interestingly enough that this movie, the new Space Jam, is going to be the first theatrically released film to feature the Looney Tunes characters since the release of Looney Tunes Back in Action in 2003. And finally, our last question of the podcast, question number 10, the question was to name the only major Greek god whose Roman counterpart has the exact same name. And your correct answer is Apollo. Apollo is the right answer. You know, there, there's kind of a relationship between the Greek gods and the Roman gods. A lot of them were very similar in practice, but they, of course, had different names. You had Poseidon versus Neptune as kings of the sea and... I don't know I could the list could go on and on but uh, Apollo was the only one to share the same name Apollo was the Olympian god of the sun and light music and poetry healing and plagues prophecy and knowledge order and beauty archery and agriculture Apollo was a very important god he was very well-rounded very uh powerful he was the son of Leto and Zeus His body was athletically built, he typically didn't have a beard, and he's often depicted with a laurel crown on his head and either a bow and arrow or a lyre in his hands. The god Hermes created the lyre for Apollo, and this instrument became known as uh, one of his key attributes. He was the leader of the Muses, and was uh, the director of their choir, functioning as the patron god of music and poetry. And according to the Homer's Iliad, Apollo played a major part in the Trojan War. So, according to that novel, Apollo infected the Greek encampment with a plague and aided Paris in killing Achilles. Apollo is also credited with killing the Cyclops in retaliation, for the Cyclops arming Zeus with the Thunderbolt. That's another trivia question I've asked before is, the question was who, are, yeah, who made Zeus's lightning bolts for him? And your correct answer to that would be the Cyclops. So Apollo clearly didn't like that too much because he then killed the Cyclops. Um, but Apollo's first temple at Rome was established in about the 430s BC and it replaced an older cultural site known as the Polinare. During the Second Punic War in 212 BC, um, there was the Apollonian Games. Apollonian, I think that's the right way to say that. They were instituted in his honor, and the instructions of a prophecy were attributed to him. In the time of Augustus, who considered himself under the special protection of Apollo and even claimed to be his son, Uh, The worship of Apollo really developed and he really then became one of the chief gods of Rome. And that's kind of how he uh, kept the same name in both cultures, was uh, just the typical appreciation for him. And it really was Augustus who kind of really stuck the nail in the head with that one. But yeah, Apollo, the only Greek god whose Roman counterpart has the exact same name. All right, and that brings us to the end of the episode. I want to apologize for getting this one out a little bit later. Then I should have been working long hours at work and I've just been real busy. And then when I get home, I'm real tired and haven't really had a whole lot of time to work on this. But next week, I will be on vacation so we will not have an episode next week and honestly this vacation is going to feel great after the hours i was working i've definitely earned it we will be i'll be back and refreshed after that ready to go uh to keep producing more trivia content for you guys i'm again i wasn't really active on the instagram a lot this week just because i was working so hard for so long but i'm gonna try and uh kick back into gear, the Instagram page. Um, That Instagram would be, of course, thinkcap, at T-H-I-N-K-K-A-P. So you can follow there and follow all the the fun daily facts and historical brain teasers and, and all that kind of stuff that I post yeah if you enjoyed today's show i would ask that you would review like subscribe or follow on um, apple podcasts or wherever you're listening the feedback from you guys really really helps us to take this thing to the next level so thank you for listening and i will catch you next time take care